talking with the experts. Um, the the one hour content plan is something that um, talks about creating an intentional content plan, something that jives with your marketing goals, because people typically think of content as something that they have to do. Um, and I think that's the message that we've been told, you know, content is great, content is good, it helps to build your audience and all of that. But we we don't think about how that content can serve us and our business as well. And that's the way it should be. So the type of content pieces that you put out there matter because they help in attracting the right type of audience. And if you don't get them right, then the people that you're attracting might not want to go on and do business with you. So it's, it's very important with, to have alignment with that content plan and your products and services and your offers. So the, yeah, that's the one hour content plan. Um, I have a couple on Amazon. I mean, maybe the, the one that kind of got your attention, but I'm not an expert. Talking with the experts. Hello and welcome to Talking with the Experts. And Talking with the Experts is about all things business by business owners for business owners. I'm Rose Davidson, your host. Um, I'm an online event manager and a podcast producer and trainer. And today my guest is Mira Kothand and she's from Singapore. And we're going to be discussing three emails that you need to simply and successfully launch a digital product. Now, Mira is an email marketing strategist and three times Amazon best-selling author of the books, The One Hour Content Plan, The Blog Startup, and But I'm Not an Expert. Oh, I should get those books. <laughs> she is also the publisher of MiraKothen.com, an award-winning site listed as the top 100 sites for solopreneurs in 2020, 2018, and 2017, and the popular Create Planners using her unique, unique, profitable email system, which is trademark, so you can't steal it. Welcome, Mira, and thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. I'm really excited for our conversation today, Rose. Thanks for having me over. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell me about a little bit about um, your actual zone of genius. Sure. So I um, started my business back in 2016. Um, and it was really just, I just started blogging. And I, um, I was in corporate, I was doing international relations and marketing. And um, I had a little bit of a health setback that I needed to get sorted out. So I was at home and trying to figure out how can I utilize my skills, what I learned in corporate, how can I actually continue to work in this field? Um, and that was when I thought, you know, maybe let's start a blog. And I kind of felt there was a little bit of a gap in the marketplace where there was a ton of information on email, specifically focused on huge companies, but there's nothing really for the one man shop or the one woman shop or really tiny businesses with less than, you know, five people, for instance, in a team. So that was the gap I felt that I could fill in with my content. And um, my audience really pretty much started to grow organically from there. And then that led into programs and books and my membership and so on. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I, because I know I don't like sending emails because I could never <laughs> think of what to write. I mean, I know I've got lots of content and I think, well, now are people interested? I've got this, you know, will they read it? Will I? Will it just, they feel like it's clickbait or, or, you know, trying to get them into some course or other. So what strategy 
for someone like me who doesn't like to email can be used so that they encompass it in a in a better way yeah absolutely and you know you're not the only one who has these fears a lot of people that i meet day to day subscribers who write back to me people in my audience they have these fears as well they they have fears of sounding terribly you know really boring the boots off their reader or, or they feel that they're going to think their readers are going to think they are really salesy and smarmy and stuff like that so um i think the main way to think about email is to think of it as a conversation you're not there to just plug your product you're not there to plug your course or anything of that sort um it's it's really just about conversing with them and educating and empowering them to make the decision on whether they want to do business with you in the first place so when you think about it from that angle and you don't think about it that okay i i need to promote something i need to have that conversation then it shifts and reframes the entire your entire content strategy so one of the best things i always say someone should have is a nurture sequence or or a welcome email series so anytime someone joins your list you want to take them through a dedicated um it's kind of like laying out the red carpet for them you are taking them through a sequential series of emails that introduces them to your brand to your perhaps your best content pieces and yes you can have a plug to your main goal or your main offer at the very end of it but every single thing should be aligned so why did someone get onto your email list it could be from a lead magnet it could be from a training they saw it could be from a podcast they saw but that lead magnet has to be aligned with the content that you are sending in the email sequence so typically most people um even though they are a couple years in or a couple months into their business the type of emails they are sending are very very generic very general in nature so it's not focused on one main topic but if you think about it that person who subscribe onto your email is they are signing up based on one main topic and hopefully your lead magnet is specific because those are the types of lead magnets that do very well so specific in a sense that they solve one main pain point or they speak to one main um problem that you are helping your audience solve so it could be um trying to start a podcast or it could be um fears around showing up live on camera so these are specific problems or pain points that your audience will have so when someone signs up to that the content that you want to be sending them in that email sequence should also be tied into that topic and the offer that you are pitching them at the end of that sequence should be tied to that topic as well now when you do it in that way there is amazing alignment and your it's not going to seem like a plug it's just going to seem like hey this is a conversation and if you're ready for the next step then i have this solution so uh, you, you know i i think we'll be talking about this as well rose it, it's the the type of emails that you send within that sequence um now that makes a difference on whether you're going to come across as that snake oil salesperson or, or just a friend having coffee with you yeah yeah i agree I, I, and that, and that's where it's really hard to um differentiate i guess the difference if you're not comfortable with emails um you know people can write blogs and that but I, you know i tend to think that emails are a little bit different than a blog so um and and i because i'm i'm a really logical person and i'm not very uh, i don't write with a lot of emotion uh, i find it um hard to get people um to you know read the content because you know because it's so factual and i'm not hitting the pain points that they they might be um having at that particular moment with their business no i hear you i mean i i actually feel like i'm 
pretty much, uh, I, I kind of, you know, I, I understand what you're saying in the sense that I am not someone who um, likes to talk a lot about my story um, mm. or, you know, kind of add in those those funny gifs and stuff like that that people usually nowadays kind of share in their in their emails um but the the main thing with it doesn't have to be that way and it, it's hard because those are the only type of emails we see and those are the only types of emails we are getting you know those really flowery types those kind of addressing you with babe or boss and, and stuff like that and some of it yeah and, and i don't i completely dislike those you know they might jive with a lot of people um, and um, that might be perfect for other businesses because it's a part of your brand voice. But if it's not yours, you should not be speaking that way at all. I mean, I absolutely don't. Um, and uh, so I make sure that the voice that I'm speaking with is how I'm showing up. Like when I'm showing up on a training, that is exactly what I want someone to get when I, they get an email from me. Because imagine if someone sees you on a podcast or a training, they hear you, you sound one way and the emails they get from you are a completely different style. That's where you're going to have a little bit of a disjoint and they're going to be wondering, is this the same person that I heard? So you definitely want to sound like yourself. Um, and um, so you, you don't have to be kind of pulled into trying to follow what everyone else is doing. There is a way to do it in, in, in kind of like your own way. So for me, the type of content that I always um, like to think about is what can I get my audience to, what, how can I give my audience kind of like those aha moments or how can I get them to um, change their perspective? So that is my main thing because if I've done that, then I have gained their interest, I've gained their attention. And when I'm able to kind of just a tiny frame, a shift in, in a perspective or, or, or reframe their thoughts around a topic, then I'm gonna be able to position myself as someone that they can trust. Because if you think about it, the biggest change typically, anything, if you think about a book that you, or a movie or a book that you just cannot forget, it's usually because it has kind of altered your perspective or it made you rethink something that you've always believed in. So one of the emails that I, I love to include within any sequence, or even if I'm having a launch that I love to include, is the myth or mistake email. Um, I, I like to call it the double M because they have such a powerful... Um, impact on your audience. So when you are talking about myths that you want to break, so any type of false beliefs that people typically always believe in, it, it could vary niche to niche to niche, and every niche has some of these false beliefs. So when I was starting out, when it, when it came to email, some of those false beliefs were, you know, I, I need to have a list of at least a thousand people before I email them, or um, you need to have a huge list only then you're going to make money of it. So these were some of the false beliefs that people had. And if you think about it in any niche, in, even in yours, Rose, there might be these kind of false beliefs around online events or around starting a podcast. So if you kind of point these out and you break these down, then you are bound to get emails, replies from your audience where they're like, hey, I didn't think of it this way. And thanks for sharing this because I've always believed this is the only way to do it. So that is, if, if you take a look at any sequence that I have, I definitely have a myth email in there because those are the ones that I get a huge amount of engagement from when it comes to my audience. Yeah. Yep, that makes perfect sense. It really does. Um, 
Yeah, so and and so I guess from the the myth email, I would suggest that would be sort of like maybe the first one in the sequence after the welcome email. So what other steps could people and or and how many in the sequence should there be? How many emails in the sequence should there be? Yeah, so this is really a matter of um it, it, it's, it's really a matter of comfort. Um, I like to do at least five to seven emails within a nurture sequence. Um, and um, I like to send the first three back to back. So people always ask me, okay, how frequently should I be sending these? Um, I, I'm a little bit, little bit more bold, a tiny bit more aggressive. So the first three, I always send it back to back. And this is based on stats and research that shows that in the first 48 hours, people are the most engaged with your brand. So when you are going to be in their inbox, it's is going to help them better with retaining your brand name. Um, and they're going to be able to recall as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I remember signing up for this. So imagine they get a welcome email, then you don't show up for another maybe seven days the next week and you send another one. I mean, it's okay. You're still doing better than a ton of people who don't send anything at all, but it, it doesn't help with brand recall. So you want to really aim in on that 48 hours, you know, 48, 36 hours in, in that, those, that specific time frame. So first three, like you said, welcome. The myth email, I like to follow up with another one that speaks about mistakes. So focusing on the double M. So the mistakes email, pretty straightforward where you are talking about mistakes. And I would focus on not the typical mistakes that everyone has already read about, things that perhaps um, speak to your framework, because you might have certain ways of doing something and where you are getting your clients the best results. So look at those and, and pick out mistakes that people typically don't realize it's a mistake because, you know, there are a couple that are really common. So if you're talking about starting an online business, like maybe, um, you know, getting a good host, or, you know, these are very, very minor mistakes and people would have read about them. Um, so don't speak to those, speak to those that are pretty unique to you and your framework and the way that you deliver results for your clients. Um, and um, when you do it in this way, the first three emails, so you've got your welcome, your myth and your mistake, um, it's going to have a really solid foundation with when it comes to brand retention, brand recall. Um, and after that, you can kind of space it out. You can have, okay, you can send it maybe three days later or the next one can go out a week later. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds um, pretty pretty good. I don't, because I don't like to be inundated. I, I so dislike that when I've signed up for something and like I get six emails in the same day from the one person and it's really, really annoying because you think, you know, honestly, stop spamming me because it's what it feels like it feels like spam yeah um you know i i, I think it, it depends on for me i like to repel people in the first few days so if they want to unsubscribe maybe they don't jive with what i'm saying or i'm going to be completely myself so if they don't really like my brand voice um, and then, yeah, they're, they're absolutely free to unsubscribe. So it's okay to repel people. Um, and if you feel that, hey, this person is just really too much in my inbox, you could give them an option to, I think it really depends on your email service provider where you can get, you know, you can help, uh, you can put in certain options in there where they can choose to receive lesser emails from you. You could do that or they could outright kind of um, unsubscribe. So um, for me, I would, I, I would suggest doing that, but um, I'm okay with people if people unsubscribe. Uh, I am not afraid of the unsubscribe because I would rather pay 
for a lesser number of people on my email list and, and have those people really want to hear from me, then have, you know, someone who is 50-50. They, they don't really know whether they, they love absolutely. to hear from me or not. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You don't want people there that are just there um, and, and, and not engaged in what you're saying and they're not actually learning anything. It just gets in their inbox. They read the, the outline as I know that you know, delete and um, don't really unsubscribe. So they're just hanging yeah. around and they're just lurkers, really. And, yeah, so they're not really giving any value to anyone. Exactly, exactly. And, you and you know, sometimes they don't open your emails, they don't click on anything, and it really skews your stats. You don't really mm. know, hey, I mean, are people really engaged or not? Because they just end up sitting on your list. So I do also recommend doing a list clean every three to six months. Anyone who has not engaged with your emails, has not clicked on anything, do a list clean, send one last email, tell them if they still want to be in. If they don't, then go ahead and kind of remove those people. If it, your, your email service provider, the invoice that they you get from them, that will definitely, you'll be thankful for that because <laughs> you're going to be paying a lot lesser and uh, it's going to keep your list really tight. Um, so that's one of the things I suggest doing as well. Yeah, I think you just want to keep your loyal, your loyal, readers loyal clients customers yes. there not uh, not the other ones that uh, you know sign up for the freebie and then have no interest in uh, anything else that you have so yes very much tell me about your three books and uh you know can you just describe a little bit about what each is about sure so um the the one hour content plan is something that um talks about creating an intentional content plan, something that jives with your marketing goals, because people typically think of content as something that they have to do. Um, and I think that's the message that we've been told, you know, content is great, content is good, it helps to build your audience and all of that. But we, we don't think about how that content can serve us and our business as well. And that's the way it should be. So the type of content pieces that you put out there matter because they help in attracting the right type of audience. And if you don't get them right, then the people that you're attracting might not want to go on and do business with you. So it's, it's very important with, to have alignment with that content plan and your products and services and your offers. So the, yeah, that's the one hour content plan. Um, I have a couple on Amazon. I mean, maybe the, the one that kind of got your attention, but I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um, yeah it talks about tiny, tiny little things that you can do on your site uh, to position yourself so that someone wants to do business with you, someone trusts you, because it's very hard when you're starting out and there's just so much noise out there to kind of stand out and be seen. Um, so that book talks about strategies that people can kind of employ. Um, starting very simply with maybe having a hero shot on your site. Um, specifically, if you want to do coaching, if you want to serve clients, it's very important that they see you. Mm -hmm. So have that hero shot and... Um, uh, pitch you know summits or podcasts or events and then make sure you're visible your message is visible so yeah in a nutshell this is what the one hour content plan and but i'm not an expert talks about perfect i'm going to go on amazon and go and buy them now <laughs> <laughs> so tell me um have you got any other books in the pipeline at the moment yeah um i i for me i'm always publishing books I have at least two come out a year so there's one on email that I that I spoke about uh, that I launched as well 300 email marketing tips probably next year I might 
focus a little bit more on the craft of writing, writing copy, because that's a pain point that always comes up. Um, like, how do you write your emails or how do you write your blog posts or, or your, your your website for that matter? And, um, you know, they, they always say, you know, I'm not a copywriter and neither am I. I was never trained to be a copywriter. And this is a craft that I think you pick up over the years by practice, really deliberate practice. So probably the next book would be um, would be on that. And, you know, if anyone who is listening who perhaps wants to self-publish or perhaps wants to write a book, one thing I would always say is don't miss out on the email element of that touch point. So when someone buys your books, make sure there is a way for them to find you back and get back to your brand ecosystem. So anything that you're doing out there, anywhere where you're reaching out in the online space, it could be a event or summit or a podcast, make sure there's a way for someone to get back to your brand ecosystem. And that home base is your email list. So any of my books, there is a link for them to sign up, get back. And I make sure I have the dedicated nurture sequence that's going out. Same thing. If it's a summit I'm speaking on, if there's a link that I'm giving, I make sure there's a way for someone to get on. And then the topic that I'm speaking about is aligned with the email sequence as well. I think that is really key. And you don't want to miss out and have a kind of like a leaky funnel where people are just finding you and then just dropping off. So mm. I think that's really important. Mm. So I guess um, a lot of the tips that you've given are if you're doing it yourself, what about if you outsource your emails? I mean, how, how do you make sure that the person who is actually you're outsourcing to has the same voice as you and uses yeah. the same tone? I, I found that a little bit daunting as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think... That is um, kind of like that litmus test on whether you found the right person because the right copywriter would be able to grasp your brand voice and would be able to deliver in, in, in a proper way. Um, you know, to find out if you have hired the right person or to know the type of questions that you're asking, I'm a huge believer that you should at least kind of get your toes wet a little bit because you want you need to be able to understand what your brand voice is in the first place. And this comes through practice. It it doesn't, and and your brand voice evolves with time as well. I mean, the way I sound right now is not how I sound, you know, six years back when I started out. So it's, 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 it's really a work in progress. It's evolution. And um, so you get your toes wet, get used to how you sound in emails, get used to the type of emails you write to send or the type of content that you write, you like to send then when you have a hold on that, it's easier to hire the right people because you would be able to know if, um, you know, your thoughts are matched, if they would be able to grasp your voice as, as, as well. So um, sometime back, I was looking for someone to write some copy from my site because I had a lot going on. I just didn't want to take that up. Um, and there were a couple of people that I saw and Immediately, just from the way that they wrote their site, I knew that it would, it would not be a match because of the brand voice. You know, it, it just did not align. I'm more kind of grounded and they were more, a little bit more chirpy and, and all of that. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not the way I want to come across. So it's things like this. If, if you know yourself, you understand your voice, it'll be easier to know who to get. Um, and if you're the person you hired is not able to kind of understand and deliver on that, then I don't think that's the right person to have on your team. Yeah, absolutely. No, I just want you to, and thank you for sharing that because it's, I think it's 
uh, a lot of times people don't want to outsource their emails because they are too afraid to yes. uh, not find the right person. And uh, I do know that some of my friends have found it uh, challenging to find the right person because of the voice just isn't quite there. So, yeah, yeah. so that's a really good, they're, they're really good tips. Actually, one <laughs> Something that might help is to kind of have like a brand voice document in a sense. It's kind of like codifying your brand voice. So maybe certain words that you would absolutely not use, take note of that, uh, or um, certain ways that you would express. Some people like to write certain words in caps or in italics. Um, and um, if there are a few, a couple of words that describe how you want to show up, how your brand wants to show up, it'd be useful to have in a document. And if you have a team or if you're outsourcing this to like a copywriter, it would be good to kind of give it to them. So it's like a document that kind of outlines your brand voice. It's a start compared to just completely starting on a blank slate. Absolutely. That's a really good tip. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Mira, uh, tell me, where can people find you and uh, where can they find all your books and, and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. So if email is on their radar, I do have a free email course that they can sign up. It's going to be dripped out by email. It's at mira.email slash course. That's a short link. Um, otherwise, just on Amazon, if they Google my name, Mira Koten, then all my books are going to um, show up. But the best place to start with is the free email course. Beautiful. All right, Mira, thank you so much. If you've got any last words of wisdom for our listeners and viewers today. Wow, I, I would say the main thing is don't be afraid of email. Just, just get started. Um, you're not going to get it perfect from day one. But um, and yeah, and don't wait for a certain number of people on your list or in your audience before you start email marketing have it some have something that goes out from day one because then you're going to be creating this amazing journey for them to go on with you and get to know your brand I think this would be the biggest thing that I could say lovely that is perfect perfect advice perfect advice thank you Mira so much for joining me today I've really enjoyed our conversation I hope we can do this again sometime absolutely thanks Rose Talking with the experts.